Good morning. Welcome to Northminster Church on this sunny Sunday morning. Glad that you are here. And whether you are joining us in person or online, we are honored by your presence and thankful that you have chosen to be with us this morning. I want to say a special word of welcome to our visitors. Glad you're here as well uh, and hope that you will fill out the uh, registry that's on the inside aisle of your uh, row. Pass that down. And if you would make that as legible as possible, we would appreciate it. Uh, we, are, we are grateful to have any of you who are new with us this morning and also hope you will participate in all aspects of our worship service, including communion. We do that here at Northminster every week. And if you are in need of gluten-free wafers, we have those. Just let us know when you come up for communion. We'll make sure to uh, provide one of those for you. Uh, I hope you'll stay after worship today for our time of fellowship that's out in our narthex area. It's a nice time to have a snack, get something to drink, and visit with folks, so do stick around for that. And then as far as upcoming events, the one big one that is coming up on the calendar on the 14th is the Neela Pride Fall Festival. Uh, this is for families. It is a walkthrough event. It will be around this side of the church. Different vendors, uh, food to buy, games to play. It should be a ton of fun for families. Um, so I hope you will make plans to attend. If you would like to help volunteer, there is a sign-up list outside of my office. You can sign up to donate a baked good for the cakewalk. You can uh, sign up to help transport people because our parking lot is not very big. And uh, Planet Fitness has... Uh, allowed us to um, let people park down there. So we need some folks to be shuttle runners to help people get back and forth. Or you can just contact Neela Pride. Uh, their email is neelapride at gmail.com if you would like to be here day of and let them put you where they need you. So keep that in mind. Please sign up. And now I'm going to ask that we take a deep breath together. And we do this to clear our minds and quiet our hearts. We do this to be aware of where we are and to be appreciative of this time that we have together. If it's helpful, close your eyes, ground yourself in your seat, let your body relax. As you breathe in, breathe in the joy of this good place. Breathe in the love of this community. As you breathe out, breathe out as much as you can, your distractions, breathe out those things that aren't done, the homework, the laundry, the dishes. Breathe in again, know that you are loved by God just as you are. And then please join me in our call to worship, which is printed on the front of your order of worship. In this holy, ordinary place, with these holy, ordinary people. God in this holy, ordinary time, in this holy, ordinary life. God is doing amazing, in our holy, ordinary hospitality. In our holy, ordinary laughter.
I messed up. You can be seated. I forgot part of the service. So can you guys wait just a minute and we'll do that part and we'll come back? Thank you, Mary. She reminded me. Just a quick reminder of what our mission focus is this month. It's um, rays of sunshine. And the thing that uh, most distinguishes, I think, rays of sunshine is that they offer um, help for women with the drug dependency, chemical dependency of some kind, in a residential setting where they can have their children with them. And this, uh, of course, really frees them up to get the help they need. Also, um, another very important part is that pregnant women can be there and get the support that they need to be free of drugs for, for their unborn baby. Um, in the newsletter, there'll be a list of items that they need. Also, I think Renee will probably post it on the trunk. So this month, remember rays of sunshine. Sorry about that, everybody. I'm just not ready for it to be October, I suppose. Okay, young friends, thank you for coming. I know you don't usually. I have a surprise for you. I have something for you. Do you like stickers? A little bit? Okay, so I have, Mr. Eric went and bought these for me this morning. He's a good man. I have fish stickers, and then I have dinosaur stickers. And you can have one, but here's the deal. You have to wait. You have to wait until church is over to have a sticker. I'm gonna hang on to them until then. How do you feel about that? Do you like waiting? Terry likes waiting. Do you like waiting? No. Do you think you're good at waiting? No. Do you get impatient? Yeah. Tell me some things you wait on that you hate having to wait on. Can you think of anything? How about when it's almost Christmas but not quite? That can be hard to wait for. Your birthday? Yeah, you guys do birthdays really big, too, at your house. What about your, your mama, uh, Brandy, bakes a lot. When she's baking something for you, does it feel like it takes forever? Yeah. And the things she bakes are really, really good. What about school ending on a Friday? Does that feel like it takes forever? You have to wait for the end of the day? No? Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of us felt that way, too. None of us really are very good at waiting. I don't like to wait. If I get to a restaurant and there's a line, unless I really want to eat there, I'm not going to stay. Or if I'm really hungry and then I have to wait, I get grouchy. And I'm not a very nice person sometimes when I'm hungry. We're not very good at waiting, but there are people in the Bible who waited for all sorts of things. And you're going to hear about two of them this morning. Their names are Abraham and Sarah. Have you heard those names before? And they waited and waited and waited and waited to have a baby. They wanted to have a baby, and for a very long time, they couldn't. And God kept saying, I promise, I promise you will have a child. And they kept saying, okay, and they kept waiting. And you know how old they were, when they, what the Bible says, when they finally had their son? They were in their 90s. Yes, Melba looks very confused. She can't see her face. <laughs> Did people in their 90s normally have babies? No, not usually, but Abraham and Sarah were special. And God had made them this promise. So here's what I want you to think about. We all have to wait for things. It's just part of life. How can we be good at waiting? What are some things we can do? What do you think? Can we be patient? Can we work on being more patient? We can all work on that. Can we be helpful while we're waiting? Like if Mama Brandy is waiting for something to bake, could we help her clean up the kitchen? That would be helpful. We can still be kind to people. So even if we're a little grumpy because we're hungry, can we still be kind to people? Yeah. And that's what's really important about waiting. That's what Jesus would want us to do, is to be good at waiting, even though it can be really hard. 
So I want you to think about that this week. Think about and try to be good at waiting, okay? Now, you two are gonna have to be extra loud because it's just you two, but you know what's next. Turn around, face the congregation. We're gonna do our prayer, and you two are leading this, so you really need to hear you. Adults, you're welcome to join in. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. Oh, holy child of God. Amen. Thank you, girls. You can go back to your seat. according to Mark. Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For with God all things are possible. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. together. We are living toward your promise, O God, yet in this in-between it can be hard to see. We hold in your presence all your people who are waiting, waiting for news, waiting for tests, 
waiting for medical care, waiting for the right moment, waiting for justice, waiting for healing, for love, for joy, waiting for you. We especially lift up those who have been given hope, but who no longer wait with anticipation, who are resigned to the way things are. And we remember those who grieve, especially for what could have been, but can no longer be. Help us all to trust that you are moving us forward in your vision, that your kingdom comes and your will is done, and that we can play a part in this in-between time. You continually do things we don't see coming, O God. We hold in your presence those who laugh, whose joy bubbles over and spreads, and those whose disbelief only has room for sarcasm, those who feel they have to hide their happiness, and those who are afraid to having their doubt found out. May your grace and humor take us all by surprise and fill your people to overflowing with your goodness. You turn up when we least expect it, O God. Strangers and others in the heat of the day, in the middle of the night, in our sacred spaces and in our own front doors, when we are prepared and when we are not at our best, we hold in your presence all those who have not been recognized as bearers of your image, who have not been welcomed or celebrated or served. And we hold up, too, those who practice, whose practice of hospitality needs some work, as you gave your people food, water, and shade in the wilderness, so, to you, so you call us to offer relief to those who wander, to listen to those who offer us your word, to welcome those whom you put in our path. May we see you however you reveal yourself and share the hope of your kingdom with all we meet. Remember your people, O God and fill us with your love that hopes and bears all things. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. 
And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God has commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we have now moved back into our lectionary text, and we are starting not at the exact beginning of the Bible, but pretty close in the book of Genesis with this story of Abraham and Sarah. Let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May we hear a word from you today. Amen. So, does anyone else have a family member or a friend who seems allergic to waiting? Is it just me? For example, my dad, who many of you have met, uh, throughout my childhood would not wait at a restaurant. If we went somewhere, there was any kind of wait, we were leaving. He would rather have gone to McDonald's than wait at a restaurant. Um, I married someone a bit like him, though in a, a bit of a different direction. Eric is the worst gift giver in the world because he can't wait to give you the present. He's so excited. He so wants you to have what he's given you. Um, I have known what I was getting for Christmas since we were married uh, seven years ago. Then there are those folks who will wait but they're gonna talk about waiting the whole time, right? They're gonna complain about it while they're waiting, and then even once you get to the table, if you're at a restaurant to have dinner, they're gonna talk about it some more. And when you get in the car to go home, they're gonna keep talking about it. Um, Eric and I have family members who are top tier at that particular talent. To be fair, there are some serious things in life that are difficult to wait for. Hearing back from an employer when you're unemployed or underemployed. Results of medical tests or waiting for a loved one's surgery to be over. Financial resources that could improve your life and your family's life. The end of a semester for tired teachers. <laughs> a positive pregnancy test after years of trying. All of these things require waiting and that waiting can be stressful, it can be anxiety inducing, it can challenge our relationships, and it often doesn't bring out our best. Abraham and Sarah knew about waiting, but today I want us to think about how it affected them. So in the chapter before this one that we did not read, uh, the angels of the Lord come to uh, Abraham and Sarah as strangers, show up at their, their home, their tent, and ask to be fed, and then give this amazing news that Sarah will have a child. And you all know Sarah laughs because she is in her 90s, which seems quite impossible. But we get to this story this morning, and the angels were right. God has kept the promise, and they have had their child, their son, Isaac. Now, to be fair, both Abraham and Sarah laugh. Because what God had promised was hopelessly impossible. I think all of us would have laughed at that point, if only to keep from crying. <laughs> Sarah laughed, as I said, because she was in her 90s, and God was still promising her a child. By then, she'd been waiting for decades, months and months that added up to years, wondering what was wrong with her, going through the vicious cycles of infertility's hopes, and then crushing reality, hoping, despite it all, that this time it would be different, and it never was. Now, Abraham also laughs. He covers it up a little better than Sarah does. 
he's a little slicker about it, the, the messenger from God here, Sarah. But they laugh because God's timing is terrible. It is terrible. And it is basically, there's no point. Lord, don't bother. We don't need any more promises now. Can't you see it is too late? Enough with your promises. Besides, we've made do with what we had. We found another path. Look, take Ishmael. He is a fine young man. At our age, Lord, we're too old to start something new. Life hasn't been everything we hoped for, but we can't wait anymore. The wait is crushing us. It is turning us into people we don't recognize. Lord, we're, we're done waiting. Now, does that mean that Abraham and Sarah had lost their faith? To be clear, if they had, it would be hard to blame them. I would have given up much, much sooner than they uh, potentially did. But the text makes it clear that Abraham had a very close relationship with God despite all of these years of waiting. So close, in fact, that in Genesis 17, when God asked Abraham to circumcise himself and then his entire household, Abraham agrees. It's quite a promise. And this is a covenant between Abraham and God that he is obeying around the age of 98. Abraham was an imperfect but firm believer in God, long committed, decades of commitment to following God obediently despite the cost, despite the stress, despite the physical pain. It's harder to know how Sarah feels. We simply don't hear from her as much. She does not get as much of a voice. But she never stops Abraham from practicing his faith, even if she didn't necessarily always share it. She never says anything against God. And she does laugh when she hears she's going to have a child, but who wouldn't? So I'll leave it for you to decide about Sarah's faith. Now I want you to put a pin in Abraham and Sarah. I want us to go to a different time in a home, maybe an upper room, that's filled with excitement and laughter, people talking over each other in their joy. Were you there when it happened? Don't you remember? When did you see him? This is amazing. Who told you first? I still can't believe it. Excitement is palpable. You can reach out and touch it in this space. Everyone you come in contact with is almost physically buzzing. They are so full of joy. Except for Thomas, who's still lost in grief. He didn't see what they saw. He's still waiting, still hurting. And their joy pushes him a little too far. He explodes. How can you all be so happy? Do you have no idea what's going on? Get in touch with reality, folks. He's dead. Why can't you understand that? Now, it doesn't matter that the others are telling Thomas, no, he is alive. We saw him. He's here. Thomas is still waiting, waiting to see, waiting for his friend. And so his response is, I doubt it. He's not a skeptic. He's not being difficult. Thomas believes in Jesus wholeheartedly. He left everything to follow Christ. And while many others decided to leave, Thomas stayed. And when Jesus asked the 12 disciples, do you want to go too? Thomas agreed with Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. It's perhaps because Thomas believes so deeply and he is waiting so intently that in his despair, it hurts him. It hurts him to think that these people are telling the truth. It's possible that Thomas's doubt came from a strong faith that had been shaken at its very core, smashed to pieces by an insane trial and a death that mocked everything that was fair and just. And when Jesus cried, my God, why have you forsaken me? Thomas likely felt forsaken too. Thomas believed, and yet in his waiting, he doubted. I put a pin in Thomas. 
Let's go to a modern time in a different kind of house, much like this one. People laugh, they shake hands, they hug, and they sing. Like, all of them sing. They don't stand and stare at their hymnals and look like they're dying. Just an observation. (laughs) The first song they sing goes like this. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. But there's an older man, you could call him an Abraham, standing in the church who sings the words as he wonders about God's promise-keeping ability. The pastor prays, our loving, heavenly parent. And a teenager sitting in the congregation cannot imagine what a loving parent is like because hers are neglectful and distant. Then there's another hymn. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. And the Abrahams and the Sarahs and the Thomases sing along with the rest, but they are stuck in cycles of waiting. Waiting for a way to make that big payment that's due on Thursday. Waiting to get grades, but pretty sure they failed that important exam. Waiting. And their thoughts turn once again to their aging parents, their youngest child, or a distant friend. And they wait. My friends, our society is pretty good at things like teaching us to be skeptical, teaching us not to accept things at face value. We teach our children, don't believe everything you see or hear. Don't trust all the strangers you meet. Just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. Get proof that something's legitimate before you invest. What our society isn't nearly as good at, as I said to the kids, is teaching us how to wait, how to deal with waiting, what healthy waiting feels like, and how it affects our everyday lives and our relationships. But the good news is that we have biblical examples to look to. Not that Abraham, Sarah, and Thomas are the examples we should emulate, but that our waiting is nothing new. Generations of believers have waited and remained faithful. They have not lost their faith, or even if they have, they have remained in relationship with God and with community. Abraham, Sarah, and Thomas show us that waiting is simply part of being human. And the even better news this morning is that at one point or another, We are all Abraham or Sarah or Thomas or all three at once because they are all of us. Our name is Sarah, for we we too live with barrenness and wonder why God has not heard our prayers. Our name is Abraham, for we too have made our deals with life, our little compromises. We too have learned to live with less and to be satisfied with less than we were promised. Our name is Thomas, for who is there among us who has not felt a crushing loss or a disappointment? Who here has not believed and yet doubted? And yet here we are, gathered to celebrate and give thanks to God. Here we are in our waiting, our hoping, our faith, our disbelief as biological families, chosen families, and as a church family, as the body of Christ. Because along with our waiting, there is hope. Hope for a world fashioned in God's love. Hope for the rooting out of inequality, injustice, racism, homophobia, and gender inequality. Hope that we can be imperfect, always imperfect, but sincere examples of Christ for each other and for our community, and hope that God hears us, sees us, and notices the deepest desires of our heart, no matter how long the wait is.
Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? Let that lonely feeling wash away Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay Cause when you don't feel strong enough to stand You can reach, reach out your hand And oh, someone will come running and I know they'll take you home Even when the dark comes crashing through When you need a friend to carry you When you're broken on the ground You will be found So let the sun come streaming in You'll reach up and you'll rise again Lift your head and look around you will be found You will be found You will be found You will be found You will be found
be found I'll go home now. <laughs> wow, that was, that was wonderful. My friends, as we come to this time of communion, we remember that this is the table of the heavenly feast, the joyful celebration of the people of God. Christ invites everyone to eat of the bread, to drink of the cup of the new covenant, for as Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me shall never hunger, those who believe in me shall never thirst. In the beginning, God provided every plant yielding seed and every tree with seed and its fruit for food. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, God fed them with the miraculous food called manna. And then later, when crowds were hungry, Jesus fed over 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. And then when two were walking toward Emmaus, they recognized their anointed Christ, their friend, when they broke bread together. This is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. We are the guests, and Christ is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it, so kick off your shoes. Make yourself comfortable. This is holy ground. All are wanted, and all are welcomed here with our doubts, our shortcomings, our failures, our grief, and whatever it is you're waiting on. No matter what you bring with you to this table, you aren't just tolerated. You are overwhelmingly welcomed and wanted. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Now if you would, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The night before Jesus died was a solemn time around the table because of his relentless pursuit of love. Because of that pursuit, he would be seized by those in power, but before he was taken, Jesus introduced this meal to his followers. For even though he knew the end was coming, he joined with those he loved best. And as the night lengthened, he took a simple portion of bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, remember me. Then in the same way, after supper was over, Jesus picked up a cup, he filled it with wine, and he blessed it. And during his blessing of that cup, Jesus reminded the disciples that he would go to the ends of the earth out of love for them. Friends, Christ does the same for us. Thanks be to God.
now hear this benediction. May God bless you with a distaste for superficial worship so that you will live deep within your soul. May God bless you with anger at prejudice so you will work for justice. May God bless you with tears for those who sorrow so that you will offer comfort. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world. Go be salty. Amen.